Welcome to Love Letters from Jesus, the podcast that brings you the Sermon of the Week, with your host, Pastor Ted Bojanic. Welcome to Love Letters from Jesus, the podcast that brings you the weekly sermon. We are so glad to have you here today, choosing to listen to this podcast. We thank my daughter, Anna, for her great introduction again. And we we recorded that a while ago and we keep reusing it because um, she did such a good job with that. Um, we want to greet the new listeners. Um, we have plenty of new listeners across the state of Texas, down in Houston and Sugarland, Texas. We want to greet them and thank you for listening. We also have some new, new listeners in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Welcome and thank you for listening. Also in Saginaw, Michigan. We want to thank you for listening and thank you for you have been listening for a while. I haven't mentioned you, but now I have, and I'm glad that you're listening, okay, that you would continue to mission, continue to listen. Welcome to our new listeners in Minnesota and in Wisconsin as well. So we give thanks for all of our, our listeners and for your opportunities here to hear God's word. This is a, a ministry of speaking God's word. We ask that you would be willing to let other people know about love letters from Jesus so that they too can make use of this podcast and hear God's word. Uh, that's what this podcast is truly all about. Uh, you can find this on Spotify and on Google Podcasts. You can go to your browser and look and find us in others as well. I put it on a few others that I'm not going to mention here, but it's out there on a few others as well. So we're out there and should be easier to find than we have been in the past, but you can always come to Spotify and find us there. We have a website, um, loveletters.fromjesus.com. Uh, there's a hyphen between each word of that, which that's the way the .com came to me. So we're working with it. So loveletters.fromjesus.com. So it's love, then a hyphen, letters, then a hyphen from, and a hyphen, and then jesus.com. So you can go that way to our, our page on the internet. And sometimes there are blog, new, new blogs there for you to read. There are the old blogs there, make use of those. Uh, you can sign up and every time a recording is made, you'll get it in your email. Or sometimes when I write a blog, you'll receive that by email, any new thing that I do will come to you by email. So that's kind of handy that way. And you can leave me written messages there, leave me notes, or you can leave me a recorded 
message as well. Um, when you finish listening to a podcast episode, you can also leave me a voice message. And if you don't want me to use your voice message as part of a podcast, just say that, and I won't. But you can leave me a voice message. And so just know that you're free to do that. If you want to go back and leave me a voice message, please do. I'd be glad to hear from you. Hearing from my listeners would be an exciting thing, I think. We also want to say hello to our listener in Shanghai, China as well, and let him know that we're praying for him and his work in God's name there. Our topic today is um, dwelling in the past. I guess that's the negative part of it, but St. Paul calls, calls us in the name of Jesus. Um, Actually, our Lord calls us to uh, look to the future and not to dwell in the past. And we want to talk about that today, how we should not dwell in the past and how we should look to the future. And I want to read the scripture that we're going to consider I'm joined by a guest here, and I'll introduce her in just a moment. But let me read this scripture from Philippians. Philippians, of course, was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, this is from Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 12, where Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, all of you, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. And we'll just consider that much. Member of my congregation here in Fredericksburg, in Fredericksburg, Texas, is with me today. Her name is Mrs. Brady. She is a wife, mother, grandmother, and a church member. And we are here in Fredericksburg, Texas at Shepherd of the Hills Lutheran Church. So she has been a member here, what, five, six years? So um, go ahead and say hello. Hello, thank you for having me today. Glad to have you here. So as we consider these words, um, considering the thought of what is the problem with dwelling on the past? you have any thoughts on, on that? I do, uh, because <clears throat> I've thought a lot of, about it since we talked about discussing this. And, and the, the whole thing 
dwelling on the past, dwelling in the past, um, reading ab about this and, and thinking about it and looking at my own personal experiences, it came down to uh, one little thing for me, and that is, is that dwelling in the past, dwelling on the past is very self-focused. Okay. That's what it comes down to for me. Um, I, 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 I think that um, it's easy to regard the regard the past from personal experience, a personal impact that things that we tend to dwell on or in has on us. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, the bottom line is, is that it's, we're inclined to uh, look at it, at it in a very self-centered way, rather than asking ourselves, um, what, what does, what does, what does that experience, whatever that is, look like under the canopy of God's love. So when we are thinking about our past, um, two things could happen. You can be prideful about it and be lost in that pride, which you're leaving God out. And or you can be worried about your sins of the past, and you're still leaving God out. Yeah. And they're sins that God has already forgiven. You know, and how many times we, we've, I've said it in sermons, and it, it, it's really true, or you go to church, you confess your sins, or you privately you confess your sins. And it's like, going back and worrying about the same sins that you've just asked God to forgive. You've confessed them. God forgives them. And the problem is that uh, it's like taking the trash back out of the can before the garbage truck comes and hauling that stinky trash back in the mm -hmm. house, putting it back in your kitchen and deciding you're going to keep it. Who, who does that? I mean, that's, mm -hmm. But we do that with our sins because we decide, oh, I'm going to worry about them some more. Yep. But they've been washed away in the blood of Jesus. Yep. And you can't move forward until you let that go. Well, it's the same thing with sinful pride. When you're feeling prideful about something, um, as long as you're not focused on Jesus, you can't move forward until your eyes are focused on Jesus. Yes. You, you talked about, uh, Jesus is our chief cornerstone on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And, um, the, it's, it's only in that context that the past can lead us to him or show, show him to us. Otherwise, it's fruitless and not good. Yeah. You know, before this section of Philippians, what leads Paul to write these words is, well, where he's coming from is in 
the uh, section of Philippians 3 that comes, you know, right, you know, pretty much from verse 1. I'm just going to read a portion of that where he, he warns the Philippians to, to watch out for evil men. He says, watch out for those dogs. He calls them dogs. Those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. So the false teachers who want to circumcise people and tell them the only way to heaven is through circumcision. And that's not the truth. For it is, for it is we who are the circumcision, who we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, trash rather, that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. So here he's underscoring what I was before, that sinful me, that unbelieving me, that was trash. And that's not worth comparing to the believer that I am now. And I'm trusting myself completely to Christ. So I'm not going to dwell on what I was before, because what I was before wasn't very good. Yeah, what 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 haunts you in the past is not that's not that's not me. Uh, this is me, and that is I'm made new in Christ. Yeah. So those sins are forgiven and we need to take the absolution the forgiveness of sins that we receive from god seriously because we are forgiven and that that's what he you know that's what paul here underscores you know when he says that so he said if i was gonna put my confidence in my flesh you know, I could line up all these arguments and say, well, I could make all these arguments that, you know, this is why I, I, I could be saved. But all of that is a loss to me. I consider that trash, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, because you can't earn your way to heaven. He admits that, and that's true. But that which is through faith in Christ, 
the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. So saved by faith in Christ alone. You know, and that's very much what Jesus taught all through his ministry to come to him. And that's um, 180 degrees from the pride that you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. It's uh, we're talking about uh, humility and repentance and forgiveness and um, those mountains of the past diminish in his presence in his presence when uh when we know when we are forgiven and when we uh forgive others and when others are forgiven so that's why in verse 13 paul says but one thing i do forgetting what is behind and he wanted to forget what, what is behind um, the unbeliever that he was, the evil things that he did, the violence that he did. Um, he wanted to forget that because, you know, he even changed his name. He said, I, I, I am a new man. I'm not Saul anymore. I'm Paul now. So would you say that uh, forgetting what is behind is what dwelling in the past does not look like yeah so i mean forgiveness changes everything and uh the devil wants to continually keep us on the shelf and away from serving christ if we can be bound with the chains of guilt or self-righteousness or some kind of pride and uh, then we're busy ignoring christ and either sobbing over sins that have already been forgiven because we're sitting there worried about it and we're not really paying attention to the message of the word that's telling us that our sins have been forgiven even before we ever asked for forgiveness Jesus makes us whole. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So Paul said, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. So a life of a Christian, you, you know, as long as you're living in this world, you're constantly straining toward the goal of heaven. So you got to stay focused you got to stay focused. So if you, you're going to stay focused on Christ and the cross and the message of the gospel, then you are you don't have time to sit and worry about sins that have already been forgiven. That's right. Yep. Yep. When you're looking forward, it takes your focus off of the past. Yeah. I mean, there's any number of extra Bible verses we could bring up here. And Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Yep. You switched Bible versions on me here. <laughs> that's fine. However you remember it, that's fine. 
So uh, the, the goal is heaven. The goal is heaven. So um, our sufferings in this world are light and momentary. And Paul reminds us of that too. And he reminds us that our light and momentary sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. So the best is yet to come. Um, you as a believer have your ticket punched for heaven by faith in Jesus Christ. And you just haven't got to go there yet. So when we look at the future in this context, uh, we see we're reminded of God's unchanging love for us mm -hmm. and our identity in Christ. We, as Hebrews 12 two tells us, we fix our eyes on Jesus um, and we are made new in Christ. Um, fixing our eyes on Jesus is a verse that sticks with me because it was my oldest son's, I think it was his eighth grade graduation uh, verse when when uh, his class finished eighth grade at school that he went to. But anyway, that's a very forward-looking, uh, eyes of faith looking forward. Okay. So we are about out of time for our topic today. Um, I thank you for coming in. Well, thank you. From the other end of the county. <laughs> yeah. So I, I appreciate it. Do you have any closing thoughts you want to share? Let you close it out. Do you have a closing Bible verse or something you want to share? Um, well, I can, uh, Bible verse, um, I would say uh, Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, the secret place of the Most High shall abide, shall rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And that's, that, that's just the most important thing to know. All right. So this has been our topic today about focusing on your bright future in Christ, not dwelling on the past. Because God has a bright future for you and work for you to do while you're here. This is Love Letters from Jesus. The sermon is coming up next. Let me tell you about the sermon a little bit. The sermon um, was preached last Sunday. And that was April 3rd, 2022. And the sermon text is Luke 20, 9 through 19. The theme of that sermon is Christ, our cornerstone. So that's coming up next. And stick around for that. The Lord be with you and grant you a wonderful day.
grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Word of God for our consideration today is the Gospel lesson for today from Luke chapter 20 verses 9 through 19. Christ, our cornerstone, He will judge those who reject Him. He calls us to bear fruit. He went on to tell people a parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it to some farmers, and went away for a long time. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one Also, they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He sent still a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, May this never be. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priests look for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew He had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. This part of Jesus' history takes place in the last week of his ministry. This is the Tuesday of Holy Week, and Jesus is at the temple His enemies, the Pharisees, are questioning his authority to be in the temple and to be teaching. So he teaches this parable. A parable is a story. A story that Jesus teaches. His parables are normally agricultural in nature. So that people can relate to them because the people of Israel largely had an agricultural lifestyle. They could relate to these. But they always had a heavenly meaning of some sort. And this one was clear to his enemies. He was talking about them. And he was talking about himself. He was talking about the people of Israel 
and how they treated the, the prophets of the past. So he gives them a picture of a vineyard which they were very familiar with. So he talks about this vineyard and the vineyard is Israel. And the people renting it, the tenants, those are the Pharisees. The man who owns it is Jesus, who actually is God the Father. The man who owns it is God the Father. And so the nation of Israel was entrusted, their religious life was entrusted to these Pharisees. They were the religious leaders of the day. And they should have been busy teaching the word of God to the people, but they were not. They were busy being politicians instead. They were not all about God's word. So that had to hit them hard. He talked to them in this way. How when the harvest was ready, he sent servants. The agreement had been, you raise the crop of grapes, and a portion goes to the owner. So, what this is talking about is how God the Father sent various prophets to talk to the people of Israel. And instead of treating them well and hearing his word, they abused them. They beat them. The Greek word there goes far beyond talking about just beating them up. The prophets were not just thrown out of town with a black eye. The word here talks about peeling off flesh. So the idea is to be beat with a whip until your flesh was peeled off. So it's a gruesome word. So that God's prophets were truly uh, dealt with in a cruel manner. And then they were dispatched away from the people of Israel. So Jesus is telling the Pharisees that his heavenly father had sent many prophets. Here in his parable he mentions that this happened a couple of times. And then the third one was wounded. Well, they would be familiar with John the Baptist who was beheaded by their own King Herod. He was locked in prison and then beheaded. But there were other prophets in the Old Testament who were stoned to death for preaching the word of God. So there were plenty of prophets who were cruelly treated and others who were put to death. And then they were familiar with John the Baptist who was beheaded all for preaching the word of God. 
And the Pharisees didn't like hearing this. So in his parable, Jesus then says, So I will send my son whom I love, I'll send him. Perhaps they will respect him. And they knew that Jesus was talking about himself. And this is an indication that he was telling them that Jesus knew that they were already plotting to kill him. The people around had no idea that the Pharisees, their religious leaders, were plotting to kill Jesus. But Jesus knew, and here he's telling them very clearly, I know what you're up to. I know what you're plotting. And this really upset them. So when he reads, what shall I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But the tenants saw him. They talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him and the inheritance will be ours. They couldn't wait to get rid of Jesus. So, you know, their plan would go into effect where they would upset the crowd, the same voices that were yelling Hosanna on Palm Sunday, on Good Friday would be shouting, Crucify Him, Crucify Him. They would upset the crowd, they would upset Pontius Pilate to the point where he would give in, and Jesus would be more than cruelly treated and whipped, scourged, but given over to death, a cruel death on a Roman cross, where he would die on that cross. And the Pharisees would say, oh, we got our way. We got our way. Here Jesus is saying, I know what you're up to. Then Jesus goes on, what then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? What will God the Father do to these Pharisees? Verse 16 is really hard for them to hear. He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. They didn't want to hear that, that they were going to be destroyed. It was time for them to repent. He's calling them to repent. He's calling them to believe that their unbelieving hearts need to believe right now. This is it. And if any of them do believe and are unrepentant, that this is the time for them to repent and believe. This is their last, really last opportunity to stop doing the things they're doing and repent. That unless they repent and believe the good news, that God the Father's plan for them would be carried out and they would be destroyed. How God warns us too with his law that if we continue in impenitence, if we walk away from God's grace, if we choose to live a life 
of disobedience to God. Continue to live in sin. And ignore what's right, ignore what's godly, and continue to live in sin. And we know better than Jesus' words are for us too. Unless we repent, we too will perish. So God calls us to repentance, doesn't he? When the people heard this, they said, may it never be. Jesus looked directly at them, at the Pharisees. Then what is the meaning of that which is written? And this is taken from Psalm 118. Psalm 118, we have a portion of that we say back and forth to each other every Sunday here. There's a lot of different ideas in that psalm. Well, here's another one that it doesn't even seem like it would be the same psalm. But this is verse 22 of the same psalm that we use every Sunday. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, or we would say the cornerstone as well. Um, Jesus is asking them, what does that mean? What does that mean? What it means is simply what he tells us it means in verse 18. Everyone who falls on that stone, who trips on that stone, will be broken to pieces. If you continue in false religion, religion apart from Jesus, you're going to trip and fall and be broken to pieces. But he on whom it falls, that's the judgment, the final judgment, will be crushed into dust. Those people are going to hell. And what was the reaction of these Pharisees? They couldn't wait to find a way to arrest Jesus immediately. Except they were afraid of the crowd of people that was around so and it wasn't Jesus time to be arrested this was Tuesday of Holy Week so what do we want to look at here and understand that Christ is our cornerstone a cornerstone bears all the weight when you're building a house or some kind of a building it's where walls come together and you want that to be the most important stone if you're building things correctly. Christ is our cornerstone. And everything gets built on that cornerstone. And He is the one you can build your life on, and none other. Others have rejected Christ and don't want him as the cornerstone of their life. But those would be like buildings that are unsteady and are going to fall because they were constructed in a bad way. They don't have a proper cornerstone. But Christ is our cornerstone. And because Christ is our cornerstone, our lives can be fruitful. We can have lives full of good works of thankfulness to Jesus because 
our life is based on Jesus. Because we can go back and look at the cross and say, look at what Jesus has done for us. He is the center of our life. He has taken away our sin and our guilt. He lived a perfect life for us. He has fulfilled the law for us. He took our sin and our guilt and our shame to the cross. His blood has cleansed us completely and has given us a new beginning. We are going to heaven because of Jesus. And in our thankfulness, our life of thankfulness that we live, our life is based on Christ, the cornerstone. Every day as we live, whether it's a good day or a bad day, we build on Christ being our cornerstone. We raise our children that way. We teach them from the Bible. We give them living examples as mom and dad of what it is to be a Christian. Sunday school teachers, you give them living examples. You give your class living examples of what it is to be a Christian. All of that is like another brick laid on the cornerstone, building the building that is the church. But the cornerstone is Christ. So therefore it will not fall. We have a solid foundation. But those who reject Christ, they will be judged. Not just those Pharisees who couldn't wait to get him arrested, but everyone who rejects Christ. Everyone who has wrong priorities and decided they don't have time for Christ, they don't want Jesus in their life, You see, they have no foundation. They have no cornerstone. So really their life is not based on anything. And their life is going to collapse. Isn't that a scary thought? Their life is going to collapse. Because the one true cornerstone, who is Christ, isn't there. We pray that they can have a new beginning. Where can they have that new beginning? They can go to church. They can start there. They can open a Bible. They can start there. But without Christ, it's a scary prospect. These are people we need to reach out to. These are people we need to pray for. These are people we need to share the word with. So that they can come to know Christ. Do you realize there are plenty of people out there for whom Easter is nothing more than a chocolate bunny? They don't have a cornerstone. They don't have Christ as their cornerstone. Maybe they have money as their cornerstone. And they think that's going to be enough to build a life on. Maybe you know people that need to know what Easter is all about. And then you can teach them. You can bring them to church. And eventually they'll figure out that the cornerstone of their life needs to be different than what they currently have based their life on. That the cornerstone of their life 
needs to be Jesus. That Christ needs to be their cornerstone. Dear friends, help them get there. Help them to see that they need Christ as the cornerstone of their families, of their life, of their future. To God be the glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to Love Letters from Jesus. I'm your host, Pastor Ted Bojanic, and I look forward to you listening again, once again. If you liked our podcast, please give us a five-star review. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, Anchor, or Google Podcasts. Look forward to having you listen to us again. Have a great week.